writer, mother, domestic extremist, Peachy Keenan joins us from a secure location right now. I'm James Polis. This is Zero Hour. Well, she is, you'd have to say, extremely domestic, but also a domestic extremist in the best possible sense. That's the name of the book. We'll get into all of it in a minute. Peachy, how are you? Hey, it's great to be here, James. Thanks for having me. All right. So why should we not be terrified of your very presence on the Internet? Uh, what is it that you want to do out there in, uh, in Southern California where you're behind enemy lines? <laughs> That's right. I am still behind enemy lines. First, I just want to apologize for not being, you know, in the studio with you. I, d I think I'm going to wait until all the airplanes get all their doors bolted back on, and then I'll make my way out there one day. A small um, concession to safety, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, but I'm probably in more danger here um, in Los Angeles, where things are getting really dicey. I'm not dangerous. I am very benign. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a woman of peace. I'm trying to start my, my peaceful movement of love. Um, trying to convince people to become more domestic, um, to lean into family life. I am not the thing you should be afraid of, but out there on the, on the mean streets, it's, uh, it's like Mad Max. <laughs> Is it lonely out there trying to get young girls to start families? Uh, yeah, it's, we're, <laughs> we're in a crazy place. I mean, I am very blessed. I live in sort of this like, you know, trad Catholic bubble um, here in Southern California. So I actually do know a lot of young women and, and, and like Zoomer boys and stuff who are, who are on board with my program. Like they're just kind of doing it organically. They never read my book, but they're just like on, they're on the program. They're on the path to, you know, righteousness and, um, getting married and having their own children. But outside of our little bubble, um, there is no there are no more guide rails. There are no, there's no real path for like a young girl to follow. And I was the same way. I mean, I write about this in the book. I was sort of just wandering, you know, <laughs> alone on my journey through my 20s without any definitive path or plan. I kind of had this nebulous idea that like one day I would meet a guy and get married or have kids. I don't know. I didn't really care about kids. Um, and it just sort of luckily fell into place at the last possible minute. You know, I took like the last chopper out of Vietnam. Like, that's how I feel. And I made it out and I have five children. But uh, I think there are a lot of people who are who are missing that opportunity, a lot of young women. And it's difficult to reach them. I mean, they're they're really not going to like run out and go grab my book. It's not on bookshelves. So it's tricky. Five kids. Uh, I don't want to dox anyone, but what do they think about all this? Uh, do they feel like uh, they're they're headed on a highway to hell, or or do they have some hope for the future? Uh, my kids were, you know, they think it's really hilarious. They think it's very funny. They, you know, I think they watched me on TV or something, and they were like, "What?" But my older boys, like I said, they have a lot of friends and parents who are like-minded, you know, who kind of agree with me. And so at school, my sons are a little bit like, you know, mini celebrities now because their 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 friends think it's like very cool that their mom is like some, you know, internet poster. <laughs> but I do feel it's a little awkward at the parent guild meetings because some people recognize me and I'm like, what did I tweet? Did I was I cool? Like it's a little awkward being in these sort of two worlds. You're probably sitting there with your domestic extremist hat on, going, <laughs> what is it? Something I said. 
you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, you talked about the bubble. Uh, in, in my bubble, uh, you, we've we've all got our own bubbles, especially on the internet. Uh, not until probably about eight or nine days ago did uh, did Taylor Swift finally manage to penetrate the hard carapace of my own personal internet bubble. Um, you've been tracking this stuff. A uh, lot of division right now, a lot of controversy. Uh, half half of uh, half my Twitter feed, or, or X feed, I guess I gotta say, is uh, yelling about how I need to respect the Swifties and respect Taylor. And the other half yelling, you know, quite the contrary, uh, she's poison. Um, obviously this is going all the way up to uh, the, the level of the Trump campaign. Uh, people arguing about whether, whether MAGA should be pro-Trump or, or sorry, pro Taylor or or not. Uh, what do you make of it, and uh, mm -hmm. and whose team are you on? <laughs> yeah, there's so many layers here. I was in a debate weeks ago with um, some friends on the right, guys who were trying to convince me that the relationship Taylor and her football um, boyfriend, that it's the, the relationship itself was fake. They were just kind of set up by PR, like Hollywood used to do in the old days. They were each other's beard. It was just a it's just a front for getting promotions and 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 and, and endorse product endorsements. And I was like, you guys, she doesn't need the money. Like she doesn't need like another, you know, brand to like promote. Like this is real. And if you know Taylor, you know, her the thing is about her, she is sort of like trad coded. I mean, it's very heteronormative. All of her songs and the reason she's so popular with young women is that her whole like, you know, the thing is a young straight woman longing for true love. Like every single song is like is like underwritten by that kind of ethos. Where's my where's my true love? And this guy broke my heart. He wasn't the one. I still want, you know, to find that true love. And the women at the concert, I went to her show in LA. I brought my 15-year-old daughter. Okay, I had the full like estrogen experience of being at SoFi with a hundred thousand uh, young women who were literally like having a religious experience, tears, screaming. I mean, it was just like nothing I've ever experienced. And I mean, I was swept along with it. I like Taylor Swift. I, I like her music. I'm not like obsessed or whatever. You know, I'm a little too old <laughs> to be like that. But it was like a great show, super fun. And just like 95% of the crowd is like young millennial Zoomer women. And it was, I mean, it was a white pill. They were attractive. There was very few kind of like, you know, misshapen, libs of TikTok, blue hair types. These were like attractive looking, kind of normal looking women all in one place. And I haven't seen that many like nice looking girls together in L.A. in a very long time. So I was like, oh, my gosh, they're here. Like, you guys, if you're looking for the girls, here they are. But are they going to vote for Joe Biden? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I do think it is a landmine that the right will is stepping on by kind of coming out so hot against her. And yeah, is she my role model? Do I want my daughter to be like her and have 15 boyfriends? No, I don't want my daughter to do that. I want my daughter to kind of choose a different lifestyle. But I think it is just, you know, there's, we have no answer to that. So instead of, I really do think that instead of coming out like, she sucks, we hate her, we're gonna destroy her. The way that we did with the Barbie movie, which is sort of like a like a, that was like part one. This is like part two of like the longhouse takeover of the world. Um, instead of doing that, we have no answer. Like she won. I think we could just sort of surrender, wave the white flag and embrace what is good about her. She's not Cardi B. She's not Megan the Stallion. She isn't talking about her, you know, wet ass blank. Okay. Like she's not X-rated. She's not porny. She's never done nudes, as far as I know. And so I was thinking one strategy we could use is 
for like me and you and like Jack Posobiec and like all these other guys, influencers on the right, make signs, Swifties for, for Trump and go to Trump rallies as Taylor Swift, you know, appreciators at Trump rallies and kind of like cross the streams and like confuse people because there really is no way to win. Well, Alex Stein is next door on set here, so maybe I can convince him <laughs> to uh, to show up as yeah. the, the biggest Swifty of all go. time. Uh, yeah, I, you know, this the is outfit. yeah, the the whole outfit, <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, you got this gender divide right now. Um, there's yeah. there's polling, there are charts, you know, all all the kinds of data that you may or may not want to see. Not just in the U.S., you know, South Korea is just terrible. I mean, really dramatic splits uh, across the world. Uh, men, young men trending dramatically more, you know, whatever you want to call it, conservative to the right. Uh, and, and women going, young women going in, a, in the, the opposite direction uh, almost as fast right. as they can. What is going on here? Yeah, and I've experienced this like in, in real time, in real life. Um, you know, I was at a reading last spring and uh, young men were coming up to me and they were like, had, you know, they they read my stuff, they were fans of mine. And these were like college age guys, like in their early 20s. I was shocked they knew who I was, you know, I could like be their mother. And they were expressing to me some of these complaints that they had such difficulty finding girls to date. They they wanted to get married. They, they, they were into my message, but the girls were so, you know, uh, blue-pilled. They were, they're so fa far down the feminist rabbit hole that it's hard to convince them to like delete their apps and like be monogamous and be normal, you know, and get off birth control and all those things. And I think that this is just like the, this is just like, you know, look, feminism, take a bow. I mean, all those charts, I saw the same charts. This is the result 50 years of like full, full blown fire hose in your face, feminist indoctrination from almost from birth, from two generations now of women. So they got the mothers um, women my age and younger, fully on board with the whole the whole feminist package, um, you know, girl boss careerism, underwritten by birth control and abortion and Planned Parenthood and you go girl and all that and women's rights and equality. And now those women are raising their own daughters and they're getting them on the pill very early and they're getting them, you know, you can be anything you want, but as long as it's not a mother, you know, you can be anything you want. Don't get married young. And so they're making the same kind of fatal mistake that I made, which was spending, spending my 20s avoiding um, entanglements like a husband and children. And um, and it's it's look, it is going to be fatal to the human race and like to the kind of conservative project. I mean, there are more women than men. They outvote men and <laughs> they don't like men like we have a big problem. They like don't like men anymore. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? What's wrong with the men? I mean, you know, one, there's, there's, there's one group of guys out there saying like, oh, just go to church, all your problems will be solved. Uh, there's another one, you know, go to the gym, all your problems will be solved. I'm personally like, why not both? Uh, you, do you think that's enough? It certainly seems like a good start. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, that is a good start. I mean, men need to sort of, I think they are coping a little bit with like kind of leading into what some might see as like misogyny or just like this like uh, knee jerk kind of hate incel hatred of women like i don't like them either like screw them but i think we have to kind of find a way to come together or we are all going to die out and so one of my strategies that i recommend and you have to be careful it doesn't apply to all girls but some girls like the way i was their feminism is sort of like half an inch deep you know it's very shallow it's a house of cards deep in their hearts these girls want the same thing 
that Taylor Swift has been singing about for 15 years, which is wanting just to find a nice guy who loves you and who wants to hold your hand walking down the street and who isn't afraid to be seen in public with you. You know, that's what these girls at the Taylor Swift concert want. And I believe that's what most girls want, unless the ones who are like maybe a little older, who are just like completely mind flayed. But I do believe that the right guy can kind of maybe hide his power levels, find that girl, and kind of slowly, gently, you know, microdose her with red pills. That is exactly what happened with me and my current husband. Um, my feminism kind of just like fell away quickly. I liked him. And just by sheer power of his like, you know, toxic masculinity, um, I decided to like join join his side. <laughs> and I think that's possible if you find the right girl. You know, you got to get the apples before they're rotten detoxifying masculinity it's it's like probiotics it's like kombucha for the soul uh you slipped a, a term of art past me earlier on i just want to make sure that we that we circle back to it because it's uh okay. it's uh, arcane lore uh but it's also really important longhouse what's a longhouse uh, mm. Yes. So this term, I mean, many of your reader, your listeners might know it was it was originally from um, Bronze Age pervert, who is a, you know, infamous um, Internet persona, personage. And it's a term. And then there was an article by our friend Lomez for First Things. It's basically the longhouse was a real Neolithic kind of like primitive thatched hut structure in primitive um, societies, you know, human societies where the women would dominate, the matriarchs would dominate. Like think about like Moana, like the grandma in Moana, okay? She's kind of like the secret boss and she's making sure and her son is like afraid to leave the island because he's been longhouse. And that movie is actually an incredible representation of it. And Moana's being groomed to be the like new queen of the island, you know, no boys allowed. And so the longhouse now in the modern, um, our modern concept of it is just like this sort of like HR mindset you know, think about all the women out to get Trump, all those lawyers out to get Trump. That's Longhouse. That is they want to they want to take you the kind of free, you know, man, the free woman, the free thinker and kind of put you in this sort of like prison and trap you into their, you know, disinformation hut, <laughs> as you will. Uh, yeah. So uh, matriarchal uh, communism really is almost what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. They say good men create good times. Well, the same goes for businesses. Good people are foundational to a successful enterprise. The sad fact is hiring pools today are bleak. Political demands, petty entitlement, open incompetence, cowardice, they're commonplace. You gotta reach the people who are keen to join your business and have what it takes to make it a success. That's why New Founding has created a network of high-grade professionals ready to join grounded American businesses. These are individuals often from elite organizations who are ready to hit the ground running with a team and a mission that supports their values instead of working against them. Aligned companies are using the new founding network to hire those people who they need to match culture and mission and make their team a success. Apply now for access to the new founding talent network at newfounding.com backslash talent. You'll get connected with the candidates who will build up your business. That's newfounding.com backslash talent. Uh, you're a Catholic. Uh, is the Catholic Church being longhouse right now? <laughs> oh, the the Vatican is the most beautiful longhouse uh, ever built, basically. Not um, a lot of women out there, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're not the most masculine bunch. I won't say more. I won't say any more. But I would not put Pope Francis and his um, his uh, the rest of the the Velvet Mafia in the kind of like 
you know, masculine group. Um, yeah, it's hard out here for a trad calf. It is very tough out here. We are being persecuted by not only like, you know, the FBI who's like trying to bust up um, traditional Latin masses that they're, they're a hive of actual domestic extremism apparently. And I think I just saw like some stories, some like a bunch of pro-life pr prayer group is now like facing 10 years in prison for the extremist crime of praying silently in public near an outside an abortion clinic. And we've seen this now for the past few years of like pro-life trad cats being being treated like terrorists. Um, and but the Pope himself, our friend in Rome, is himself banning, personally banning things like the traditional Latin mass. I know a parish here in Southern California that can no longer um, do the traditional Latin mass because Pope Francis doesn't like it because it's too extreme, because it promotes the things that he hates, which are traditionalism and conservatism. And it kind of like smells a little too much like Vatican one and they want to move on. They want to make the church more modern. So it's, it, it's, it's an unbelievable position to be in. I mean, I'm a convert, so I'm coming at it with like a very like ironic, like eye rolling, like you guys, what is this? You know, um, it's scary. It's that it's like, uh, it almost is like there's a uh, the, the split I mean, the split is real, the schism or whatever. And I don't know what's going to happen, but it does feel like it's kind of like replicating politics worldwide, also in the American church, where there's this sort of like smaller kind of fringe group of people kind of keeping the real church alive, the tradition of it, the Latin mass, the, you know, the incense and all the things that make it have made it last 2000 years, but the rest of it, the big mainstream blob of it is kind of like melting away into just like basic liberalism, kind of like America. Yeah, or, or worse, you've, you've seen the, I'm, I'm sure in SoCal, just all the, the rainbow flags and right up to the minute with the latest uh, paw prints or whatever they put on there. <laughs> Uh, and this is why, you know, whether it's, uh, it's a sort of a Bronze Age pervert figure or one of these sort of self-styled Hellenist bros uh, on the Internet, you know, they're, they're, they're saying don't go to church. Uh, go to the gym only. Uh, Christianity mm. is, uh, is, is, is doomed. It has fallen. It's too late. It's too weak. Uh, it's too uh, degenerate. How do you respond to those guys? Hmm. I would say you have. I, I, I understand I mean, people ask me that. Why do you still? Why are you still a Catholic? It's like they're they're run by perverts. Um, I feel like you do need both, and you have to be like those ancient monks, you know, in the like third or fourth century, who like kept the texts, the illuminated manuscripts, and like hid on the little islands on the outskirts of Scotland while you know darkness fell over Europe, and just keep the light burning. It's up to us to keep that light burning because if it goes out for good, like we're done, like it's over. And I also think that they have to kind of look forward because children, if you plan on ever being a dad and having kids and you have no religious guidelines or markers for them or nothing for them, it's going to be much more difficult to raise those kids. I mean, even if you are too cynical to fully embrace it, okay, you just want to like lift and work out all day, fine. But I feel like children need it. And I mean, I'm seeing this in my own children, what they're getting from going to mass every Sunday, being baptized, being in the full you know, um, doing the full, the full Jesus program. It is like, I mean, honestly, it is the, it is, it is parenthood on easy mode. Uh, all this talk about monks, you're going to get me uh, talking about Bitcoin monasteries, but I want to talk about a uh, <laughs> little, little different technology first. Uh, you brought up abortion. Uh, you brought up the pill, um, you know, birth control. 
It's really more like girl control. Uh, I, when I hear people saying, you right. know, oh, the, 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 the men need to be given birth control, the pill for boys, then you'll just have boy control. Uh, but I want to talk about <laughs> egg freezing. Uh, this is another uh, one of these hot, hot button issues today. Uh, you've got some young uh, sort of movement style women right now going like, freeze them early and often. Get it done, ladies. You'll thank yourselves. Uh, you take a look at the data. I mean, it is pretty sad. And, and women don't always know sort of just how sad it is, how, how bad the odds are. Um, I'm sure that you have thought about this, um, probably haven't done it uh, just based on the five kids running around. Um, uh, how how serious is this? Um, is 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 the 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 misbelief, the the misinformation? Uh, it's a, a word I use advisedly, but but it's real. Uh, there <laughs> yeah, is this impression. Mistake, There's this yeah. impression that freezing your eggs is is fun and easy, and it's really going to pay off down the road. Uh, whenever you want mm -hmm. it, you can basically just flip mm -hmm. a switch, turn your turn your reproductive system off, and then flip it on, and you you've got instant eggs like a hot and ready little Caesar's pizza. Uh, what's what, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, and I do write about the dangers of this in my book. Uh, there's a chapter, a part of a chapter about this. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. Even on the right, even among women on the right, there is a huge misconception of what it means to freeze your eggs. And that's just, that's not, it's not the, the solution that you think it is. Um, you can freeze your eggs all you want. You cannot freeze your uterus. And people seem to fail to understand this. Like, if you decide you're going to defrost your eggs when you're, like, in your 40s, uh, where are you going to put the eggs? Your uterus, the chances of you um, conceiving a baby via IVF, which you have to use with your frozen egg, um, the chances of you conceiving a, lot, a baby is like literally like 2% from IVF after like age 42. And the rates in your late 30s are like 6 7%. The rates are terrible. And you can only do maybe two, three IVF sessions. And each session is a very painful, incredibly invasive um, multi-month regimen of shots and procedures and so expensive. Um, that's why some big corporations now cover egg freezing and IVF to kind of like, you know, equality. But what they really want to do is keep you sterile so you can work harder. And that's what egg freezing is being used as, is being dangled as a carrot for women. Like, just keep working for us. Don't go on maternity leave. Do that later. You can freeze your eggs. You don't have to worry about that. Give us your youth. Cash in your youth, your 20s and 30s, your most fertile years, your only fertile years, spend them here in the company making us money. And later on, you can worry about your eggs. Um, there's a woman named Bridget Adams, who was a high profile executive. She went to Vassar. She was cute, blonde, and she was on the cover of Business Week. And the headline was freeze your eggs, free your future. And she became the kind of poster child for this in like 2009 or 10. Right. Cut to 10 years later, she was like literally 45 years old and she hadn't met Mr. Right yet uh, because psychologically when you freeze your eggs, suddenly the urgency to meet a man is off. That's the real problem. You know you have the eggs in a bank. Well, there's no reason to hurry up and rush and get married and <clears throat> find the right guy. Of course, you will have to find the right sperm donor. Anyway, 10 years later, Bridget Adams went to unfreeze her eggs. She had 11 eggs, something like, Eight of them were not viable. Two had abnormalities. She only could implant the last one, the last embryo with those eggs. And that embryo ended up in a miscarriage. So she was 45. She had frozen 11 eggs and she had zero biological children and no chance of ever having her biological children. And freezing her eggs, what it did was it literally froze her fertility and it killed her chance of having ever having her own child. 
Sometimes uh, the talk about women hitting the wall can be a, a little bit on the cruel side, and, and understandably so. But you know, there are these sort of uh, there are these guardrails, there are these these uh, breakpoints, and and that's one of them. Uh, you know, I, I keep trying to remind people: men have a biological clock too. They wake up one day and suddenly they're creepy, and that's not going to work. So uh, so we're all sort of in the same boat as far as that goes. Uh, but yeah, hitting the wall. You know, we're, we, the whole culture is hitting the wall. Uh, what do you think it's going to take for for there to be a sort of widespread recognition that then triggers some action uh, that we are sort of, you know, sending ourselves down a path that is built, built on a series of lies? It's not even as if, well, OK, I'm freezing my eggs, but I'm going to have this awesome job. It's going to be really fulfilling. I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to be able to buy a house like, oh, sorry, mortgage rates are too high. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. the, you know, second financial crisis comes along. Oh, nope, everything's Airbnb'd yeah. out. Uh, even the, you know, the basics of the new and revised social compact are starting to crumble. What, what's it going to take for people to realize that, uh, that it's been wrong direction for, you know, I think three generations and counting? Yeah, that's so true. And we keep seeing those videos come out on social media of like young girls who just got out of college crying hysterically when they realize like what it actually is like working a 40 hour a week you know, nine to five job that you don't like, your boss is mean to you, and you're not, you're working full time and you can't pay your rent. And, you know, that's the reality these days. You can't buy groceries and they're crying like, wait, what? Like, what about my life? What about trying to meet a husband? Like, oh no. Um, and so I do think what it's going to take is people being, you know, this is like a cliche, but being mugged by reality. And I think that, that a lot of other women like me have noticed, have been reporting on women in their 20s coming out on TikTok and posting videos and saying, wait, hold on a second. Uh, okay, listen, wait, hold on, feminists. What if I actually like do want to get married at age 25 and have a baby and stay home with my baby? Like, where, where's that like, you know, message from the culture that that's okay to do? Women are sort of sick of these, they're saying, I hate my job. There's like this movement against jobs now from young women realizing like, wait, why do I have to do this? And I mean, I always always try to tell people like, why did feminism make it? I worked all my 20s full time and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, why can't I, you know, I would love to have a way to like stay home with my babies. And when I had my babies, I did. I made that happen because um, I'm not an idiot. But I do think it's going to require many, many more girls kind of figuring it out for themselves, unfortunately, because, you know, you can tell a 25 year old, you should do this. You got to do this. And they'll be like, yeah, shut up, old guy. But if they get that, you know, if they are experiencing the like devastation and the heartbreak, we tried to save them, but if they're gonna experience it, I think that is the only way that they have to figure out for themselves, this is not working, why it's not working. Okay, what, I have to get off the pill, I'm gonna take out my IUD, I'm gonna delete Tinder, you know, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna like take out my nose ring, you know, and try to present myself as someone who's marriage material, because that is the like, it's not like a guarantee, but it's basically the best we have as like a a, a path to long term happiness and satisfaction. And it's it's not just the pill either. It's all these SSRIs. I mean, you know, again, yeah. like I, I get it. It's been a rough 25 years plus, uh, but it, it's even rougher to get off the drugs than it is to try and muddle through with them. Uh, these these girls, yeah. especially among white women, the numbers are just astronomical. They need support. Mm -hmm. They need some help sort of re-entering, right. you know, normal physiological life. Uh, a, a lot of these, and of course it's not just women, it's guys too, they, they can't remember the last time they were totally sort of physiologically clean, no, no chemicals sort of right. floating around in their system. Where, where do you think, you know, where, this is the best place right. to turn for someone who's trying to like re-enter into the society that they thought they were gonna be in and instead they wound up in this parallel universe. 
Oh, yeah. Ashley St. Clair was just posting about that, about a friend of hers who had not, couldn't remember when she hadn't been on some sort of um, mood enhancing drug or antidepressant or birth control. I mean, she just like couldn't remember. It had been since her teenage years, I guess. And that's the thing. When, when you start medicalizing someone, when you start them on the path of like going to the pharmacy once a week, get your pills, that starts for girls at like age 12 or 13. They'll put you on the pill for your skin, you know? And then, oh, well, I'm already on the pill. Now I'm depressed. Okay, well, well, the pill is causing the depression. They don't tell you that, but here's another pill. Oh, but the depression is making me anxious. Well, here's another pill. Well, the, the anxiety is making me gain weight. Here's another pill. And so you end up with this, co this it is a toxic cocktail. So, I mean, what you were saying just made me think of something like maybe we need sort of rehab centers, but they're sort of like outpatient detox centers to try to get people actually clean off these off these drugs because there's a lot of scare tactics like you can't go cold turkey on you know i don't i'm not a doctor right so but i've read a lot about this if you try to like quit one of these you know antidepressants or anti-anxiety cold turkey if you've been on a long time that can cause a, 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 some ser very serious side effects and so you have to kind of like micro micro wean yourself off some of these things so you don't trigger things like akathisia and other other things it would be kind of amazing to have sort of detox centers. Maybe they could be kind of like inside the air ones. Like you could get your, <laughs> you could get your like Haley Bieber air one smoothie, you know, with like the gold dust in it and then walk into the detox center because you're drinking the smoothie for like all the benefits of it, all the health benefits, but you literally are on like five or six medical, medical like drugs in your purse. So you take your smoothie, you go to the detox center next, next to the fresh organic produce, and they start to wean you off all of this stuff. I mean, that would be kind of amazing. But it starts with, I think, getting off the pill. Maybe the Erwans, maybe the monasteries again. We'll, we'll have to see. I want to dig into some of the, uh, some of the, the meat of domestic extremism, peachy style. Uh, you look at that, that gender gulf, sort of men hating women, women hating men. I think you don't really end up with that kind of situation unless everyone sort of hates babies. There's so much fear-mongering surrounding, you know, these things are monsters. They take your life away. You'll age 20 years in, in two years. You'll be anxious, depressed, exhausted, ugly, chained to home, uh, and they'll probably just turn out to be monsters anyway. How do you get people to love right. babies again? I know we used to, that used to be a thing. You know, you would see a baby in the store and everyone's like, oh, cute. And I think part of it is that there just aren't enough babies. You don't, people don't see babies a lot. I was never like a natalist um, growing up because I had no babies in my family. I didn't, I had a very small family. I was never around babies. I never really held a baby from the time my little sister, who's seven years younger than me, from the, from the time she was born, I never really held a baby again until I actually had my own baby. <laughs> like, you know, 25 years later, whatever it was, I had no exposure to babies. And I think that did contribute to my like, take it or leave it attitude. Like, yeah, kids, one day, baby, I don't know. And then when I had my first baby, my actual exposure, when you smell the baby, you smell their magical, euphoric fragrance that babies come with, you know, God gives them that for it's a reason. Real. Yeah. And then you're like, I was like, I love it. I love this. What? I didn't know. Like people tell you it's such a, I mean, it's the oldest, oh, you're going to love babies. Babies are great. Okay. But what, again, it's like the reality when you, ex you have to experience it for yourself and you, it, your mind gets blown. And then that was it for me. And I had another baby 15 months later and I ended up kept, you know, I was like, I'll keep going. <laughs> I love it. Cause when they get too old, they lose that nice smell. 
and you got to have another one. And I still to this now I'm like bummed. I don't have one and I have to wait till I have a grandchild. I'm very excited. Okay. Um, but I think it is just lack of exposure to babies. And so I, I remember I posted like last year, maybe we should just start posting adorable photos of babies because when you see one, babies are designed, their faces are literally physiologically designed to trigger intense maternal instincts in women. Like, it's almost like you can't, there's no, it's like a knee jerk thing. You have to be really screwed up to kind of look at a most, the most adorable, sweetest little laughing baby and like feel nothing, feel nothing about it. So I think if we have more exposure to babies, we show babies, use babies in ads, maybe they could start putting babies on like the can, Bud Light cans. I don't know, like market babies to girls as like, these are great. These are the cutest things in the world. What's What I'm surprised is that like, the Jenner family, uh, the Kardashian family, has like they—they're always having babies. Each of them has a couple of kids by different guys. I can't keep track, and I—I'm curious as to why that hasn't triggered some kind of like mini baby boom. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, people realize that uh, there might be something sus about that family. Not—not uh, not the best role models. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just got to make sure that those tech lords don't uh, don't capture and bottle and uh, and and artificialize that baby scent. Right. That's going to be oh, dangerous. No. You'll you'll know that we're in big trouble when you can get that scent and spray it on anything like hot sauce. Uh, you, just uh, you know the the power of sniffing though. I I guess I'm I'm trying to soften my heart here when I think about uh, when I think about people who frustrate me. So uh, you know there's there's Joe Biden's uh, creepy sniffing. Talk about a, a creepy old guy. But there's something just really sad about yeah. seeing someone like trying to find a place emotionally that, you know, that can bring that kind of joy that a baby, you know, a, a sort of fresh baby smell has. Um, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of dark, but, um, but it, it means something, you know. We, we have to go back, we have to return. Um, yes. Okay, moving down the list. Uh, so you have the babies, you, you've taken the baby pill, uh, then mm -hmm. you have all these uh, little creatures running around your house. Um, mm -hmm. This is also portrayed as a horrible nightmare. The work never ends. It'll be overwhelming. Right. Nobody trains you to do this. Who wants to wash dishes anyway? This is, you know, isn't there a robot who can do this? Isn't there a sort of more darkly <laughs> complected person who I can, you know, pay minimum wage to do this? Like, this is what is being pushed. And, uh, you know, even an army of servants can't really make all of those tasks go away. And if they do happen to make it go away, then you're still sitting there, like, sort of with nothing to do, watching trash television, infinite doom scrolling on your phone. Um, domestic extremism right. as applied to motherhood, how, how does it work? Right. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, there was uh, a rash of articles the last couple years, and I wrote about some of them in my book, of women, kind of middle-aged women, you know, married liberal white women who were overwhelmed by the demands of, like, one kid, you know, and a husband. And they would write about, like, one day I looked at the floor and it was covered with Play-Doh and Cheerios, and I could either sweep it up or I could call an Uber and get it in my suitcase and leave. And they leave. <laughs> they literally leave their families. They go to Brooklyn. They go, they find like fourth floor walk-ups in Brooklyn. They abandon the kids and the husband in the country house because they just can't deal with the like day-to-day, -day. the like day-to-day, -day, you know, feeding the baby, washing the baby, the mess. And trust me, you know, I get it. Like I had three under three. I barely remember it. Like I don't, I, I probably didn't have a pair of shoes on for like four straight years, James. Okay. Yes. I don't. And I, you know, I admit this freely. I am not a natural, like 
you know, domestic like housekeeper. I hate doing laundry. I hate doing dishes. I hate it. Okay. I don't sit there and fold the laundry. Like I don't fold like je ne, je ne fold rien. Okay. Um, I just don't do it. They have clean clothes. They have food. I cook. I do all that stuff. I don't like love it. Okay. But here's my point is that, you know, life is very hard. And I don't care if you have zero children or 50 children, life is hard. You have to cook for yourself. You have to cook for your boyfriend or your husband or your wife. You have to wash your own clothing. You have to do your own laundry. You have to buy your own groceries. When you have children, the hard years, that like the really messy years are very short. You know, by the time they're four years old, they can put a dish in the dishwasher and they can like kind of mostly bathe themselves and they can use the bathroom themselves if you're, you know, unless you have like a real problem. Um, so the real messy nightmare, toddler mess everywhere is very, very short and it's kind of funny and you forget about it. And now I have teenagers and they do the laundry. They know how to work the washing machine. They unload and load the dishwasher. You know, they do these things. They, I never touch a trash bag or like take out the trash. That's like completely handled for me by strapping young right-wing bodybuilders. <laughs> okay, I have like a team of them now, my, my, my teenage boys. And so that's sort of how you have to approach it. And, and I also think that motherhood is not like just some like thing you, you know, an accessory. It's not just some like extra thing. It is really a vocation. And I'm not talking about like, you can't have a career. You're not allowed to have a job if you wanna be a mom. You can't do both. Look, here I am, I'm doing both. But motherhood is not, not a job, it's not a career. It is a vocation. It does require a level of like deep sacrificial love. You're sacrificing your time and your money, mostly your money, <laughs> let's be frank. And yeah, you're sacrificing peace and quiet and it's gonna be messy sometimes. But the reward, again, it's like the long-term thinking is not there. The rewards are gonna be so great. I cannot wait to like mug my liberal friends with my like 10 or more grandchildren, God willing. And they're gonna have like one grandchild, maybe two, you know, who are kind of weird, who don't know what gender they are. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have like this wonderful, beautiful group. And I'm so, I, I hope, please, please God. And so I think it's just this lack of long-term thinking. I, it's so sad. It is sad, uh, and it and it does take two to tango. So I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the uh, the the joys of wifehood in a minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, for for a society that's as weed addicted as this one, it actually sounds like quite the selling point to say, "Don't worry, you're not even going to remember it when it comes to having toddlers running around the house." You are not going to remember a thing. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the husbands. Um, you know, the, the laundry list of criticism of American husbands, mm -hmm. still, still very long, uh, maybe getting longer depending on who you ask. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. How much of it is the guy's fault? Probably a lot. Um, you know, we should all condemn ourselves first. <laughs> uh, but what, what's a domestic extremist to do? How do you deal with hubs? Yeah, uh, I call myself a wife supremacist. First of all, I just wanna say that. Um, you also call I yourself a, a, a husbosexual, it says here. That's right. I'm a husbosexual. I mean, everyone can choose their own bespoke, make up their own bespoke gender identity. I identify as a husbosexual, sexual, husbosexual, excuse me, which means I only am attracted to people who identify as my husband. Wow. And luckily, there's only one person who has like stepped forward. But we'll so you never far. know, right? <laughs> so far, you never know. Um, yeah, we've been married a while. I mean, husbands. I have a great husband. I think that, you know, there are these time time from since time immemorial women have had wives have the same complaints about husbands they don't pick up their socks their dirty dirty underwear hang around you know they don't help out around the house or whatever i mean look okay 
but like I, I have, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Like I'm not a neat freak. So I can't, it's hard for me to be like, you didn't pick that up when like, <laughs> you could just be like, well, what about that? Like you didn't pick yours. So it really, for me, you know, we're more like, I don't know. Our relationship is very much of like equals. Like we'll, we'll just, whoever, whoever, if something has to get done, whoever can do it, will do it. You know, he's been a really hands-on dad, especially with the little kids. Back when we both still had like energy <laughs> to do with little kids, thank goodness we don't have any more little kids because we're we're old and tired now. Um, I love husbands. I think that I don't I don't believe in I don't like women who gossip about their husbands publicly or to their friends. So like I just have a rule that I will not ever like badmouth my husband really to anyone. I mean I may like talk to my sister and be like, oh my gosh, he did this, and I I was like, what? But really, I don't because um, I am so imperfect. You know, I am so deeply flawed. And honestly, I'm very grateful that he has not like <laughs> he has st stuck with me through all of this stuff. Because honestly, like, can you imagine being married <laughs> like Peachy Keaton? It's been, you know, very, a very interesting, a very interesting ride. But I'm fun. I make up for it. Well, that's but sort I of, think uh, a lot of husbands. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> go no, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is my last question, but maybe it's the last chapter of the book. Uh, how do you deal with yourself? How do you keep yourself in one piece and sort of someone who uh, all these other members of your family wants to actually live around? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's hard. We all have, we all, we all have those days, right? I mean, and here's the thing where I kind of like just give it back to the Catholic Church. Like, uh, when I'm kind of at a low point, I like to pray to St. Joseph, not to get too religious on you. This is not like a religious show. We can but I do. It. I pray to St. Joseph. Yeah. He, I ask him to carry me through it. You know, he was Jesus's stepfather and he's always depicted as kind of like carrying a lamb or carrying baby Jesus, like through a river or like carrying him up a hill or whatever. And so I feel like, please carry me because I don't have, I can't do it. You know, I can't do it. And it's, you know, life is again, I, I then I think, well, life is hard. So would I rather have this bag of troubles? Or the, you know, the, 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 the cat lady down the street who has no children, who has a bunch of cats, and when she dies, her cats are going to devour her body. So I could have my laundry issues and my dishes and my, like, cranky kids in the morning, or I can have her troubles. And I will choose mine um, every time. And, I mean, to be honest, James, Twitter for me, or X or whatever, tweeting has been like an incredible source of stress relief. Like that's my like midlife crisis. It's right there on Twitter. You know, it's where I get like my dopamine hits and I meet friends and I feel like, okay, I'm not alone sitting in my house. Like I'm not like sitting here popping Valium, you know, or drinking wine, day drinking. I'm on Twitter and I just have having fun and like keeping my brain going. And I think that women need that. You need something that's like kind of occupy you and use your brain while you're like knee deep in um you know diaper blowouts so it's so it sounds like you're not one of those uh <laughs> zero tech households no i mean look our kids are they have you know our teenagers have phones um I, there's an ipad in rotation that the little the littlest one uses so i you know i've we are constantly placing it we're constantly grabbing things out of their hands and taking away phones when we feel like it's too much or too intense but again, here, another shout out to the Catholic Church and all the education about pornography. Because I think that like, there's one thing like too much screen time, too much TikTok or whatever. My kids are not a lot on TikTok, but people are worried about like too much, you know, uh, cocoa melon for their toddlers. Okay, that's one thing to worry about. That's a, that's a show, about, not a drug, right? <laughs> yeah, 
it's some toddler like crazy Maybe simulation cartoon. But the thing you have to worry about is teenager teenage boys on on um, watching porn on their phones. I think that like some huge percentage of boys by age twelve are watching it on their iPhone that you gave them for Christmas, and so that's where we have really made um, I think have have successfully trained them, taught them like to avoid those dangers. You support uh, legislation to crack down on phone porn. Yeah, I totally. I think porn is like basically fentanyl for children and for adults. And I, 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 I'm happy to have it banned. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there's there, there's a, a an increasingly outspoken group that says, you know what, the way to do this is by um, is by mandating a sort of ID for the Internet. Uh, so the government's going to make sure that you're you and that you're of a certain age in order to log on. And that's how we crack down on the porn. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's like what's like the Nikki Haley option. Yeah. She wants my name and my phone number yeah. if I post. Yeah, that's that's a big that's a hard no for me. Um, I don't know. I, I just think I just want porn removed. Like, I, you know, I'd love it if Pornhub didn't exist. And if it was if it was so it's so hard to access, you have to go on some weird dark web and the government will find you if you're looking at stuff like, you know, for example, child, child pornography. Like it's hard, it kind of blows my mind that that exists, that that we're not able to like eradicate. Um, some of this stuff from from people's screens, um, but no, 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 no global internet ID for me. No, thank you. Uh, well, let's see. Among women, you are probably one who never hears "you should smile more." I'm always seeing the smile. Love to see it every time you're on TV. <laughs> one of your many many appearances. Uh, but let's be honest. You know, do you think times are going to get tougher than they than they are even now going forward? Uh, do you think that those kind of like home economics household keep yourself together, life skills, mom yeah. skills are gonna become even more valuable and necessary than they are now. Yeah, I mean, I sort of wish I had different set of skills um, to survive the next few years, especially if the election doesn't kind of go the way I hope it does. Like, I don't know how to dig a well. You know, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to make a fire. I don't know how to slaughter, you know, backyard chickens. I don't know how to do any of those things. Those may be the skills that we need short term. Um, I don't know animal husbandry. You know, I, I've never milked a cow. Like, I don't know how to do any of those things. So if there is a kind of, kind of like apocalypse or societal collapse, which look, there is a chance of that with where this, where we kind of seem to be heading. I'll go, I'll, I'll just be killed instantly. That's, that's my, that's my take on that. Uh, okay. So that's a, that's a qualified yes. I mean, we still got a number of months still until the election where we seem mm -hmm. to be headed into general election season. So you still have time. Time for a crash course. Right. Maybe that can be the next right. book. Maybe if we can just like the right can kind of get his act together and take the Taylor Swift white pill and we can get her on our side, we can avert like the impending disaster that's looming over us. Taylor Mageddon or Armageddon, the choice <laughs> is yours. I guess that's probably yeah. as good of a note to end on as possible. The great Peachy Keenan, that's all the time we've got. Thanks for joining us. So until next time around, if you, yes you, found this conversation meaningful, consider becoming a Blaze TV subscriber. Help us create more content just like this. Go to blazetv.com. Use the code 0hour20. That's Z-E-R-O-H-O-U-R-2-0 for $20 off your first year of Blaze TV. This has been Zero Hour. I am still James Polis, and may God have mercy on us all.